This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. I'm Deborah Fitzgerald, editor with The Pulse, and I'm sitting here today with Jackson Parr, who is a former Pulser and now a full-time fellow, and we'll let you tell us what that's all about. But hi, Jackson. How are you, Deb? Good. I'm doing well. So thanks for stopping by to talk to us today. We're going to be talking about the Dora County Budget Project, something that I am really excited about, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to get other people excited about it as well. But can you first kind of take us a little back in time about what you've been doing since you left The Pulse? When were you here and when did you leave? Yeah, so it's good to be back. I was here 2014 to 2018 full time and then been around a little bit more in a limited capacity for the last couple of years. When I was uh, down in Madison at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, pursuing a couple graduate degrees in public policy and water resources management. So... Okay, public policy, that sounds interesting. But it really sets you up for this type of work. Exactly, yeah. My, uh, my capstone project for that master's was local government finance in Wisconsin. So exciting stuff that I was looking <laughs> forward to bring back. Well, it kind of dovetailed with my arriving last year because, you know, for the first time I was taking a look at some of the local budgets up here because this time every year, that's what municipalities are doing. They're creating their budget for the following year. They're preparing their tax levy or the amount of money that they need from property owners uh, within their municipality. And then they're approving those budgets and tax levies by the end of the year. So last year was my first time back in the door looking at all of these budgets and really feeling kind of lost in terms of was, you know, how did this budget stack up to that budget? And what are Door County municipalities doing? Like, how do I know if the town of Sevastopol is as good at budgeting as, say, the village of Sister Bay? Or, you know, who is actually really good at this? And so when I expressed that idea of how can we get some of these, you know, how, how can we illuminate some of these budgets? I think you stepped up and said, hey, Let's do a Door County budget project. Yeah, so I think the idea is kind of all of these budgets for municipalities in Door County really live in a vacuum. There's a single PDF or spreadsheet housed somewhere on a website, hopefully, maybe not. Maybe you got to shoot an email to the local clerk. And we really wanted to bring all of those into one place so we can kind of create an apples to apples comparison of different budgets, which is not necessarily to say that any one is better than another. Mm -hmm. The local community decides how they want to both receive and spend their money. But we really had, until now, we really had no way of, of knowing how communities are doing that. So hopefully this will be illuminating for the residents that are you know paying a large portion of the taxes that their community uses to fund services. Uh, hopefully it'll also be useful for those local officials. You know, maybe it allows them to see, maybe there's a different way in which we can reorganize our budget revenues, our expenditures to better serve our 
constituent population. Right. Okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about first before we dive into this, what it is that you're doing for the Wisconsin Department of Health Services because that's where you are right now, right? Yeah. So my uh, my full time gig with the Wisconsin Department of Health Services and Wisconsin Sea Grant is working on flood mitigation, uh, working on a project called the Flood Resiliency Scorecard, kind of a community assessment of hmm. flood vulnerability and resilience. So that's born out of my both my degrees, public policy and water resources management. So I'll be working with communities around the state through the fall to identify projects that could improve flood mitigation, flood resilience. I kind of come at it from an economic development lens. That's mm-hmm. that's a bit of my background, which also weighs into this public finance component that we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been a really good job. It's been it's been fun, interesting. So it's kind of a dry year. Is it dry everywhere or is it just up here? Yeah, there's been some pretty significant flood events. Uh, Western Wisconsin got hit pretty bad earlier this summer. Okay. 2018 was kind of the hallmark year. There was uh, pretty severe events in Western Wisconsin, the Driftless region with some dam breaches up Mm. north and kind of Ashland, Bayfield County also got hit pretty hard. So we're kind of trying to understand the ways in which we can, you know, adopt new ordinances, improve mm-hmm. zoning regulation, implement green infrastructure projects okay. to, uh, you know, let's slow the water down. Let's make sure it doesn't end up in your basement. Right. So maybe that even means like helping communities figure out how to get residences out of like a floodplain or something. Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah. It's a tricky, it's a tricky calculation though, because, you know, those homes that are in the floodplain can't just sell them. Nobody wants to buy them. Right. So what do, what do you do with people that own the property there? Right. And the forecast is, the long-term forecast, that flooding is going to be an increased problem, right? Yeah, we expect precipitation events to become more frequent and severe. So instead of those, you know, day-long events that we might be getting right now today, mm-hmm. you know, they're four-hour 10-inch rainfall. Yeah. Just events that no landscape can really manage. So we're working on trying to understand that that might be a future condition that we'll be living with and other Mm -hmm. ways in which we can change our land use, change our policies to better mitigate against those impacts. Right. Well, I think we've only had one. We had one pretty significant rain the end of July and our basement flooded because it was about five inches and we hadn't had any, you know, and now we haven't had any really since, you know, a little bit here and there. But anyway, that sounds like really interesting stuff. And it's something actually in the communities that I came came from in Minnesota who were dealing with that quite a bit. There is a ton of flooding out there. The communities are small. They don't really have the people, the human resources to do the kind of work that they need to do to be able to fix some of these problems. You know, get people out of the flood zones, figure out how to reconstruct their waterways, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really important work. Yeah, one of the things I'm most interested in is is rural communities and the ways in which they really lack any kind of technical or administrative capacity to participate in grant programs or implement these projects. A lot of times these communities have, maybe they're lucky to have one full-time yeah. staff member, a, a full-time clerk or, right. you know, and these FEMA applications for funding or recovery funds are mm-hmm. cumbersome. Right. And Which are federal emergency management association agency. funds, agency funds. Right. And so even though you can get that money, it, it's a really detailed and specific application type thing that you have to go through in order to be able to get those funds. And like you said, they just don't have the people to do that. Yeah, so, you know, I think that this project we're talking about today kind of tailspins with that. I would say Door County communities are largely rural. Maybe they don't feel that way right now in August. But, uh, you know, they're generally small staff. They maybe don't have the capacity to totally, you know, 
understand a, a project like this mm-hmm. or uh, use it in a meaningful way with the way that the budgets were so siloed across the county. So we, sure. you know, hopefully this will serve local communities as well. Yeah. And that's how we're going to use it. We're going to be putting it up online and that's going to happen in a couple of weeks, but we're actually going to be publishing in the paper and the print version, you know, some takeouts from it because it's a strategic positioning of this project because like I said, right now is when everybody is doing their budgets. So it also provides us with some excellent data. I mean, when people see this, they're just going to freak out at all of these. I mean, beautiful pie graphs. You're and more charts. optimistic than I am. Oh, about I know. That. Well, I'm kind of geeky when it comes to this stuff. I, I really like government finance, you know, I just like diving into the budgets to see what's happening and yeah, I where think that the money two goes. people that would say that yeah. are sitting at this table right, <laughs> right. now. <laughs> exactly. Well, hopefully we can convert some of the listeners here, but we'll see. So anyway, we're going to be releasing that and we'll be doing takeouts from it. And why don't we just go through like what these budgets are? You know, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about a budget? And then why should I, you know, Deb, property owner, care about what my particular municipality is doing when it comes to a budget? Yeah. So in the, as you said, in the fall of every year, communities work to develop their budget for the upcoming fiscal year. And that includes, you know, where is our money going to come from and where are we going to spend it? There, there are different budget categories So things like property tax, everybody knows and loves. State aid charges for services, so something like a garbage collection or some other fee for a public service. And then expenditures. So, you know, the big one would be something like roads. Road construction eats up a lot of public budgets. Other kind of services that maybe are a little bit more discretionary. So developing a parks program, improvements to a marina, any kind of social community programming that the community decides it wants to fund. And cities and villages are different from towns. And so they have services and budget categories, you know, that that towns wouldn't have, like for sewer service or water service or, you know, some garbage service, you know, something that a town might necessarily not have. So there'll be separate budget categories and those entities kind of act like a little mini business, you know, they're kind of like enterprise funds where you hope to maybe even, you know, get some extra revenue because isn't that what all these municipalities are looking for is extra revenue, right? Extra revenue is uh, never a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. You know, cities and villages, those incorporated municipalities, uh, there's five of them in Door County. They tend to have a little bit more complicated budgets, separate funds, either for they have a water system. Sometimes marina funds are kind of in this separate, let's get the revenue from those who are using the marina and use that on the marina itself. And that kind of works two ways. It helps to both internally to understand, you know, is this service we're providing generating revenue enough to offset costs? Mm-hmm. It also helps with a little bit of transparency. So mm-hmm. there's not this big pot of money sitting in a general fund and we don't really know how much is going to different places. So mm-hmm. a lot of times communities set up these separate funds to help improve that transparency and draw a more direct line between the revenue generated from a service and the expenditures on that service. Okay. So what is the primary method of revenue source for municipalities in Dora County? How do they get their money? Yeah. So the, the craziest thing as I was going through this was the amount of money 
that Door County communities get from property taxes. Hmm. So I also love the fact that property taxes are far and away in any survey done on this topic, the most hated tax of all time. (laughs) Uh, So the fact that most money in municipalities in Door County comes from property tax maybe makes it a little bit challenging, but you know, Town of Bailey's Harbor, Village of Sister Bay, upwards of 80% of their revenue comes from the property tax collection. Wow. And so let's put that into perspective. What, how does that compare to like a, you know, statewide average or a national average? Yeah. So statewide Wisconsin, it's a, it's around 40 to 45% usually. So some communities in Door County are almost double the amount of revenue generated coming from the property tax. Hmm. Nationwide, it's closer to 20 to 25%. So Wisconsin is even unique across the country and relative to neighboring states, Minnesota, Illinois. So why is that? Why do we get more in property taxes in Wisconsin? A lot of times it's just the way that the state has chosen to set up its budgeting structure or what it also allows local communities to raise revenue for. So it's reasonable to think that other states that have a lower proportion of their revenue generated from property taxes have access to other revenue sources. So if you think some communities across the country can levy their own income tax. Okay. Wow. Or if you think about it in the reverse, states like Nevada, Florida don't have an income tax at all Mm -hmm. at the state level. You know, the money comes from somewhere. So if it's not coming from property taxes, it's coming from some other source. Or the sales tax. And and we're capped at what we can offer on the sales tax, right? I mean, so we can't, it's not like we can just collect, you know, make it up somehow else. Yeah. So there's state restrictions on sales tax. You know, some communities in in Door County have attempted to pass premier resort area taxes to influence that sales tax amount that they can they can generate. So there like are some from just did. Yep. So there are some other avenues of revenue, but there's not a whole lot in okay. Wisconsin. Okay. So that, so it is coming from somewhere. I mean, that's a good point, but the larger share is coming from the property tax in the state of Wisconsin. And then in Dora County, it's higher yet than across the state. So does that mean that we're paying a lot more in property taxes or what does that mean actually? So not necessarily. It just, it just means that of the revenue generated in a community, most of it's coming from the property tax. It okay. doesn't necessarily mean the property tax bills are high. In fact, Door County has among the lowest property tax rates in the state. So there's kind of this counterintuitive thing going on where most of the money in a community comes from the property tax, mm-hmm. but the rates are generally low. And the way that works is there are a lot of high value homes okay. in the county. So a lot of property wealth. Exactly. And that's where it lives. And there's also a relatively low amount of services. So communities in Door County, many of them don't have water systems. They don't have incredibly robust parks or public works programs. So they, they have these high value homes that are able to pay a significant portion of kind of a low bill for public services. Okay. So it sounds like when you have a lot of really high value homes, like really wealthy people in an area who can afford these homes, then it's a really good thing for the entire municipality. It's generally good. I mean, th- those who don't have high value homes, but live in a Door County municipality probably see a pretty low property tax burden. Okay. You know, if you have a high value home and the rate is, you know, 1%, that's still going to be a large absolute dollar amount that you're paying. Sure. But for those with with lower value homes towards the median, they probably enjoy a pretty low property tax burden in Door County because those high value homes are paying a significant portion of the property tax 
the absolute property tax amount that is generated. And you don't need a whole lot of revenue to fund services in Door County compared to other communities that have, you know, sidewalks across the entire community, mm. stormwater systems that need to go across the entire community, mm-hmm. streetlight systems across the entire community. Sure. So Door County communities have a generally low relatively low level of services provided okay. given the amount of property value in them. And and as we said, you know, 11 of them are towns and so they're going to have even fewer services yet. I mean, it's going to be mostly roads. So why don't we illuminate that a little bit by talking about specific communities? Like one thing that we'll be able to do is compare the assessed value of the entire community with the amount of property taxes that are collected. And then from that, you know, you derive your mill rate and what you're paying on property taxes. But if we just look at, for instance, the assessed values of the communities, how does that relate to the property taxes that are actually collected? Or does it? Yeah. So communities that have high assessed values, you know, that's... that's Maybe we should define assessed value. So it's like the value of everything, every piece of property within the community. Correct. So like okay. the entire, when the tax assessor goes out and says, your home is worth $200,000. Right. The assessed value within that community is the sum of all of those properties. Okay. And so like, for instance, the top of the list in Dora County is the city of Sturgeon Bay. And by these, these are from 2020. Is that correct? 2020 and 2021? Correct. Okay. So for instance, the assessed value of the city of Sturgeon Bay here is about 990 million. Now I know that they reached the 1 billion mark. So these are always going to be just a little bit behind because they're taken from the 2020 numbers projecting into 2021. So anyway, yes, 990 million for the city of Sturgeon Bay, for instance. Um, down- so, so another way to think about that is if you want to write a $990 million check, you could buy the entire city of Sturgeon Bay. <laughs> there you go. If you have a billion dollars that you want to write, then you can run the city or <laughs> you can buy a city. There you go. For just an easy billion. Yes, right. So what they collect in taxes, and they do have one of the highest mill rate, well, the highest mill rate, 10.5 million is what they collect in property taxes. So if you compare that, for instance, with, let's take a look at the town of Sevastopol. Now, the town of Sevastopol has an assessed value of 729 million. So not a lot lower than the city of Sturgeon Bay. And yet the town of Sevastopol collects $631,000 roughly versus $10.5 million that the city collects or the village of Sister Bay, which is number two in terms of property collection, $2.9 million in taxes. So what, what can I tell from that? Yeah, so I mean, I th- if you think about the services provided in each of those communities, you know, the city of Sturgeon Bay contains a lot of homes. It's got a lot of waterfront property high value property, assessed value is going to be pretty high. There's a lot of buildings in Sturgeon Bay, but there's also a lot of services provided. Mm-hmm. Definitely has the most robust public infrastructure, really good park system, marina. Police department, fire department, exactly. full time. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, so there's a lot of services that are needed to maintain the city in the way that the elected officials have chosen to to maintain the city. So if we were to look at, for instance, the village of Sister Bay in the town of Sevastopol, let's compare those two, because again, the village of Sister Bay has 458 million in assessed value. 
they collect $2.9 million in taxes. And again, Sevastopol, $729 million in assessed value and collects 631000 in taxes. So let's compare those two, which might be a little bit more comparable. Yeah, so it is it is kind of a similar story. Sister Bay has a lot of services compared to Sevastopol, a lot of public infrastructure, a lot of public land on the waterfront that wasn't too cheap to purchase. Mm-hmm. They've done a lot of great improvements there. Sister Bay has a water system, mm-hmm. which is the only other water system in the county mm-hmm. other than Sturgeon Bay. So there's kind of a lot of services that are needed to provide. Sevastopol is a largely rural community. I, mm-hmm. you know, pulling up their data now, about 60% of their budget goes to public safety and public works, public works largely being roads. Okay. And public safety is just basically their contribution to the Door County Sheriff's Department. Sheriff's Department and yeah. EMS. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. for the most part, at least as, as this budget reflects, the residents of Sevastopol are pretty, pretty happy with that being the level of government provided. Okay. Then again, Sevastopol has, it's a huge land mass. Yes. It's got a ton of waterfront property, high value homes. Mm-hmm. So we have that high assessed value. But then turn around and the services provided are generally pretty modest compared to a more densely populated community like Sturgeon Bay or like Sister Bay. Okay. So we see this kind of play between the assessed value and the amount of services provided. And that's really where you get that change in the amount of property tax levied given a certain value of home. Okay. And so now if we were to look at, for instance, also Liberty Grove. Now, Liberty Grove is the biggest town by land area in Door County. And also, it looks like by assessed value, it looks like it's number two. Like the city of Sturgeon Bay is the highest in assessed value. And then the town of Liberty Grove is second highest in assessed value. The town of Liberty Grove, however, collects less in taxes. It looks like it's number eight out of the 19 different municipalities in terms of tax collections. So is that a similar story to Sevastopol? You know, I I, I would say so. So I'm looking at Liberty Grove right now. About 45% of their revenue goes towards public works. Again, that's we're talking about roads okay. almost exclusively when we're talking about public works and rural communities. Okay. So I would say the town of Liberty Grove is mostly just trying to pave roads you know they're not they're not maintaining a robust marina they don't have a big you know an expensive kind of downtown center or economic development program the services provided in a rural community are generally pretty modest compared to other more densely or more economically active communities okay and it would make sense because they like like i said they have the largest area so they would have more roads than another town would have and so they would have to spend probably a bigger portion of their budget on the roads. And then maybe some towns don't plot. I think most roads in Door County are pavement. I don't think that there are any gravel roads remaining in Door County. So I guess you could look at, you could compare the town's road projects, like say, you know, Jacksonport and the town of Claybanks. You can take a look at what they spend on their roads in each of the municipalities in this Door County budget project. Correct? So it's not just property taxes. I mean, it's really like every category. Where are they, sp- how much are they spending on their fire departments? 
how much are they, you know, how much is the city spending on its police and fire departments? You know, all of that information is in here for people. Yeah. And another, you know, some communities choose to allocate funds for the category of culture and recreation. So any kind of arts programs Mm -hmm. or recreation activities, conservation and development. So property acquisition for conservation purposes. Mm -hmm. Other communities just don't do that. Okay. And that's a budgetary decision that the, you know, the elected officials have, have chosen to make. So it's a budgetary decision, but it also, you know, like it characterizes the type of town it is, right? Where you make decisions to spend your money, either as a person or as a community, really reflects what type of person or community you are. So if there is a town that, you know, just only pays for roads and then another town pays for maybe a music in the park program or, you know, some arts projects or public art displays or, you know, things like that characterizes, you know, a different type of town. So you can actually see those things in this report. Yeah. I mean, the common refrain is that a budget is a statement of values in a Mm -hmm. community. And that doesn't necessarily mean that any one community's values are better or worse than another, but it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, again, looking at Liberty Grove, so about 9% of their expenditures go towards the categories of culture and recreation and conservation and development. Okay. Which which is pretty significant compared to other communities and in my oh, experiences with okay. in my experiences with Liberty Grove, they're very aware of kind of the environmental impacts mm-hmm. taking place within their community and probably go a little further than others in, in trying to preserve those. Right. So that basically checks out with what I've experienced on the ground. But yeah. seeing it in a nice, cute little pie chart helps. Right. <laughs> so now people will be able to get so much more than just, you know, budget things from this. All they can... of your Door County public finance desires <laughs> are in this document. But also to just see what kind of community you live in. And like you said, it's not as a judgment. It is just a fact. I mean, this is what you're community does and this is how you know your community spends money and we elect the people who actually make those decisions and so we do have that opportunity to have a say in it at most parts of this budget process so what happens once somebody a municipality passes their preliminary budget which is coming up in you know september october ish Yeah, so typically there's a a pretty robust and state-mandated public hearing process uh, that will allow community members, residents to weigh in and make suggestions on changes. Typically, budgets are approved kind of in the October, early November month. I haven't seen too much variation from that, but depending on how robust those conversations are about changes to the budget, or I'm sure that you know, coming out of a strange couple years in local government mm. finance and in revenue coming from different sources, those conversations might be a little more detailed, but. Okay. You know, and there there is one part that residents, well, this is kind of interesting. I mean, residents can have a say over the property tax levy, but really the state has a bigger say on that. And the town If you're in a town, you can have a bigger say on it, too. Can you talk a little bit about how the state makes sure that your property tax, you know, stays within a certain level? Yeah, so the state implemented a levy limit program about 10, 15 years ago that essentially it 
prevents your property tax rate from increasing at a rate higher than the amount of net new construction that takes place in your community. So that was super jargony. Yeah, well, well, let's let's walk through it a little bit. (laughs) So essentially, when there is a new building constructed in your community, that is net new construction. Or that is new construction. Above and beyond what already the assessed values that we were talking about. Exactly. Okay. So the idea is, all right, we have some new construction here. That's going to generate property tax revenue. But we don't want the property tax rate to necessarily go higher than the amount of that new construction. Okay. Because otherwise that means that you are paying more in property taxes. And this okay. is, when I say we don't want, I guess I should say that the state legislature has made this decision. And so every year a community gets a report from the Department of Revenue that says, this is your net new construction. So this is how much your assessed value has gone up in the last year. Whatever rate that is, the percentage increase Mm -hmm. in your total new value, you can't raise your property tax rate higher than that for the upcoming year. Okay. That creates some challenges. Communities that are kind of low growth that aren't seeing a whole lot of new construction sure. are kind of tied in to their existing property tax rate. There's been a few reports that have come out that have shown that there's these kind of disparities between low growth and high growth communities. So if if there's no net new construction taking place, but my insurance costs, my road maintenance costs are still going up, mm-hmm. I'm in a little bit of a bind there. Absolutely. And they do. I mean, they do go up year over year. Yeah. So uh, one way to kind of navigate around the levy limits is to uh, take on more debt. So debt service is one of the kind of exemptions to the levy limit process. Communities should be wary about taking on too much debt, particularly for general government purposes. But the levy limits do create some challenges with community finance decisions. Definitely. I mean, I can even see that it is a build at all costs mentality that a community might have to adopt. Or even if it comes down to something like preserving a building versus knocking it down and building something new, then really financially, it's far better for the community to just build new and build more at any cost. Yeah. As long as, you know, as, as long as they're searching for that that yeah. additional revenue, which oh, right. most which most are, uh, exactly. I would say. You know, critics of the levy limit program say that it should be up to the local community. I mean, that is their decision. They're the ones that are paying the bills. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more nuanced up here because there are a lot of people with second homes or those who mm-hmm. have, they're not their primary residents that are paying those property tax bills, but can't necessarily vote for the elected officials that will yeah. mandate their levy rate. Right. So it's a little bit more nuanced. You know, proponents of the levy limit program say this prevents communities from raising their property tax rates and essentially taxing people out of their homes. Is there any history actually that shows, like I come from a state in Minnesota, they had a levy cap increase and then they removed it. And once they removed it, what they saw was that the levy did increase across communities, like the average rate did increase. So it's not it's not just that states don't trust communities to keep the levy low. It's that, that really it does help to keep the levy low, but creates its own problems. So is that why a state does it? Because it knows that it has this data that shows that it really needs to? Yeah, I think I, I did see a report in Wisconsin that showed that because the levy limit program was kind of implemented over a long period of time and they kept oh, they kept okay. kind of ratcheting it down. Okay. And um, there was a report in Wisconsin that showed that, you know, decreasing that limit really didn't affect kind of the the rate 
changes hmm. that much. Okay. But that, I mean, that is a perfectly reasonable explanation. You know, if you take away the, take away the limit, let's raise the rate now. Yeah. Perhaps communities raise the rate because they do need to recoup costs that they couldn't get in earlier rate increases. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a tricky calculation. And I know that there's been some talk about, you know, changing the rates to a no more than a 2% increase or that net new construction rate mm-hmm. just to give those communities that are maybe not seeing new construction, but are seeing higher costs, mm-hmm. a little bit of wiggle room without having to push things into debt or cut back on services. Because right. one of the downward spirals you get into is, you know, I can't raise my property tax rate to fund the services that I provide. Mm-hmm. So I have to pull back on services, which means that people aren't going to want to build new construction in my community because my services are getting pulled oh, back. Sure. So, and it, it mm-hmm. kind of perpetuates itself in a, right. in a, in a challenging way. I'm, I'm really kind of surprised that the levy limit has survived in the Wisconsin legislature for this long. I, it doesn't seem like it would be something that the, you know, the legislative makeup right now would, would really support. So I'm just really surprised by it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that the legislature as it is now is, is interested in keeping taxes in general low. Yeah. You know, it definitely, the governor is... Not the end-all be-all when it comes to decisions like these. It does have to make through the legislature. And I think the legislature is interested in keeping that tax burden down. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think the legislature is also interested in kind of a local control component. Yeah, exactly. So there's that's a little bit I mean. of a, there's yeah. a little bit of a disparity there. Right, um, right. That's, that's the part that I was thinking of is, yeah. you know, because it is a lot of control. It's, you know, telling a community basically what they can and can't offer for services or, what they can and can't do, you know, what they can and can't fund basically. So anyway, so see all of the exciting conversations you can have just with this Door County budget project in front of you. So it has more than enough information for people to assess what their community is doing and how they're spending their money. And we will be releasing that soon. And is there anything that you think that we need to pull out from it, Jackson, that we haven't talked about? I think one of the important things to understand is that the money comes from somewhere and where it comes from is not necessarily a good or bad thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can just reflect the limits and revenue sources. And if you're not, you know, if, if your property tax goes down because of a change in this, but your water fee goes up, might still impact your pocketbook in the same way. Sure. So looking at these more as, as a guide to understanding where is revenue coming from and going to, but keeping in mind that it's got to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So not getting too upset if you're a pro- percentage <laughs> property tax. I know I was a little nervous about this because I was like, I started pulling some of these numbers and man, the amount coming from property taxes is just insane. And it makes sense <laughs> if you work through it. Right. Uh, just given like high value homes and the limited amount of services that most rural communities in Door County provide. But they're not going to be thinking of that when they're looking at it. So it is a little, you know, but it's yeah. all explained in there. It's I'm not- looking forward to seeing this in like a shaking fist at, at budget <laughs> meetings coming up. Well, I mean, I don't know that I don't know that any of the information is anything less than illuminating. You know, I mean, it just really does show what, what's going where. And was it difficult to pull it all together? I mean, was it, you know, because you had to connect with all 19 municipalities and the county of Door. You know, yeah, some some municipalities have their budgets posted online pretty readily. Yeah. You know, pull those, plug them into a spreadsheet, run the numbers. Others 
more kind of rural, smaller communities mm-hmm. have maybe a less robust online presence. Okay. And that took a little communication, but I don't know. It was a good project. Yeah. Taught me a lot about Door County's kind of both about the budgetary decisions, but also just about how different communities work. Yeah. So it was a good, it was a good project. So if you were to live up here full time, Jackson, and you don't have to dish which community this would be, but based upon this Door County budget project, did you identify which community you would want to live in? Oh, Deb, you're killing me right now. <laughs> like I said, you don't have to dish on it, but I did, thought, w- was this useful? I didn't and- agree to this. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there and just be surprised. So Jackson, thanks so much for a putting this together because it really was a tremendous amount of work and we're going to be grateful. We're going to be using it for years. It's going to be the baseline. So hopefully we'll be able to keep it up year after year. And thanks for talking with me about it on the podcast. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.